You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we are live here on the MMA Industry Podcast, November 16th edition here, uh, talking all about what it's like uh, in, inside the industry of the world of mixed martial arts. Um, if you haven't watched the show before, basically we talk, like I said there, about uh, what's going on in the industry of, of mixed martial arts and then covering the sport and everything like that. And today I have a very special guest um, talking mainly about the management side of the mixed martial arts industry. I'm joined by Chuck Wickert, who is a MMA manager uh, and, and a, of uh, Upgrade Marketing and is also an MMA event consulting uh, guy. And, and he also does, uh, by day, he's an air traffic controller. So Chuck's a bit of a jack of all trades of everything. But uh, Chuck, how are you today? I appreciate you joining me. Pretty good, James. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. And uh, first first thing I always do when I have the show on is I always talk about how I've met the guest. And uh, you and I actually haven't met in person, but uh, we've been working together for a couple of years now. I believe I first met you through, uh, I want to say, Mitch Clark's dad, Rick, who I'm very close with, I talk with on a regular basis. And I think that's how we got connected a couple of years ago. But uh, do you remember when we first met? I'm trying to, it's kind of drawing a blank. I know we've done interviews and stuff together, but uh, but yeah, what, would you remember the first time? I think you hit the nail on the head. I think uh, we were joined up by, uh, by Rick and... Uh... It, it it was about Mitch. You wanted to interview Mitch about an upcoming fight. Right. And, uh, yeah, it went on from there. Uh, I introduced uh, some of my other clients to you, and uh, you've been absolutely the best in the business as far as getting these guys exposure and uh, giving them a platform to present themselves. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, it's been very great uh, working with you. And that's why I wanted to get you on the show because you were a really good guy uh, to sort of explain the management side of things, and that's what we're going to be talking about here today. But I want to go all the way back to the, to the beginning, Chuck, and, and talk about how did you uh, first become a fan of you know combat sports, all that stuff. Where did it begin for you? I've always been a fan of combat sports. I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, as a youngster in the military, and I got assigned uh, to Yokota Air Base, Japan, uh, where I was not only an air traffic controller in the Air Force, but I was playing professional rugby out there. Oh, wow. uh, and then I got invited, uh, based on some jujitsu we were doing out in the on the base gym, to go down to the Nusano Hotel, which is in Rapungi, Tokyo, Japan, to train and grapple with Hoist Gracie, who is getting ready for a, believe, a pride match down there. And... Um, Ever since, ever since then, I had been watching the UFC. I'd been uh, following everything going on, and this is probably 2000. I'm sorry, uh, about 90, 99 to 2000, roughly okay. was the time era, and they were looking for about you know 200 pounders. I'm a little bit heavier than that now, just a little. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can't tell, yeah. Uh, uh, but they wanted some big guys for Hoist to, you know, roll around with and stuff. And uh, I became an instant fan of the sport. And uh, that's where it all basically began. And then uh, I got to Anchorage, Alaska. And uh, that's when things got pretty boring. There wasn't much to do in the wintertime. And the uh, idea of, of the Alaska Fighting Championship came about. And, uh, you know, I ran that till 2000 seven and then i sold that having i was leaving the air force leaving uh alaska and heading out to orlando so i had to get rid of it i sold it uh the person that bought it from me has done phenomenal things with it got it on mainstream platform got it on uh, uh ufc fight pass and 
and all that. But uh, about a year before I sold it, I started learning about the management side of things. And I actually went to Roy Engelbright's Fight Promoter University. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah, down in Southern California in Irvine. Uh, great school. He's very, very well-minded and in, in promoting. And, and I wanted to know what I could do to get more people into the AFC, to bring MMA exposure to, to others. You have two big, huge military bases in Anchorage, Alaska. How do we get them to sit their butts in my seats? To see this event so i learned some you know quite a few strategic things to get that going um in addition i met joe cavallaro joe is a uh, good friend of mine uh, he's from the boston area and uh he introduced me to the management side of things and it was from there that i took a passion in helping the fighters now not just promoting them and getting them fights but now protecting them. What is, you know, looking out for their best interest necessarily. Uh, and that's when I found a client by the name of Doug Evans. Oh, UFC veteran, right? Yep. UFC veteran fought uh, Mark Bocek and uh, Roger Huerta for his actual debut. Right. So uh, that was a challenge. I got him in the UFC and he was my very first client. And uh, it went well. So after I sold the UFC, I went, uh, I stayed in the industry of managing fighters. And it went from there. And and I'm guessing that's also, because I know uh, you used to manage at one point Justin Buckholz. Was that because he fought, because he's from Alaska originally, is he not? He is. He is from Fairbanks, Alaska. Went to, I think, a Lathrop High School. Um, and Justin fought for me. Uh, he was one of my clients uh, in the AFC. Um and he went out to Hawaii to do some work. And the kid had just, I mean, he had been on a great win streak. And I had been pleading to Joe Silva to sign this guy. And uh, Joe said, is he ready? I said, he's ready. And uh, I was able to give Justin that call. He couldn't believe it. Um, I believe he went out to a WEC event. And that's where he hooked up with Uriah Faber. And you know the rest of the His story history. from there. Yeah. I'm very proud of Justin, where he's where he was and where he's gotten to in this sport. Um, I still keep in touch with Justin today. I got to run to him uh, for the first time in a long time when Joe Riggs fought out in Pennsylvania uh, against uh, Chris Camozzi, I believe it was. Okay. And uh, we got to catch up, catch up then. And he just recently came back to Alaska and had his fight. Unfortunately, I missed him. I was out of town. Okay. So, <laughs> but yep. And that's where, uh, yeah, that's where the relationship with Justin came from. So uh, quickly, we'll talk about the AFC. Um, who are some fighters that went through there that, that people might know, any names that sort of ring a bell um, that, that people might uh, you know, have heard of that, that have gone through there when, when you were uh, you know, running the ship, so to speak? When I was running the ship, I had Rob Yunt fight for me. Rob okay. Yunt went to the UFC. Uh, I believe he had two or three fights himself. He, uh, one of the well-known fighters that he fought was Ricardo Almeida. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a tough fight. Um, Nick Caron Webb was on the Ultimate Fighter, and he has fought all over the place. He w- he came about after I sold it, though. So, okay. um, as did Lauren Murphy. Right. So, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. But if anybody remembers Terrence Mitchell, uh, I manage Terrence still, and he was on the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I believe it was season twenty-three, where the uh, little guys were fighting to fight Demetrius. Is that right? I think that was twenty four. I Four? think I, I could I could be wrong with that, but uh, let me let me do a little quick Google search so I know what I'm talking okay. about. But uh, yeah, I know the one where it was the yeah the it was the, it was the um it was the the uh for for the title right because the, the the title shot against Demetrius like you were saying correct. Uh, you, the you might be right on tough twenty three because I'm looking now and what am I seeing here? It was no tough twenty three was the one with um that light heavyweights and the straw weights. So now let's, because Tough 25 was the comeback. Tough 24 was the, uh, what was that season? That was the, oh, well, it, was, it, was, it was Tough 24. Okay, I was right. Okay, there. great, great, yep. And he tore his Achilles in that fight, and uh, he's just going to be making his comeback next, uh, in January, January of 2018. Cool. Uh, he'll get a fight uh, up in Alaska. Uh, we'll see where he's at. We'll gauge his, uh, his physical level. And then we plan on getting him out into a bigger platform, hopefully back into the UFC. 
Very cool. I like hearing that. Um, let, let's talk about how you go about getting clients. Like when you first started out, was it just the fact that you had these connections, you know, being a promoter for the AFC, was it just using those to kind of, you know, find guys and you had relationships from there? Or did you have another way of sort of going about and finding clients? Actually, I didn't find any of my clients. All of my clients had been referred to me through other clients. Cool. So it started with Doug Evans. Uh, from there, I went down to Florida and I hooked up with Tiago Alves, Marcus Aurelio, Tiago Silva, and uh, I was able to gain guys from there. Um, and it was a really good relationship we had. Uh, I ended up going to Dubai, and I ended up pretty much stopping management. Um, I didn't know how I was going to do it. And then I got out there and I looked at the time, and I figured, well, if I have a laptop in my phone, I could still technically do this. Yeah. And it was a phone call that I got from Charles Ruocco, who you probably know quite well through MMACanada.net. And Charles called me and said, I have a guy who's 9-0, and and I need a manager for him. And this 9-0 and fighter uh, was named Mitch Clark. Nice. And I wasn't quick to jump on it. I said, let me have a conversation with him and see where it goes. Fell in love with the kid. You know, Mitch is just one of those guys you want to do anything you can for him. And uh, Mitch has been probably the most loyal candid, uh, uh, client that I've had. Um, and he's been with me since day one. So uh, he kind of got me back in the game. And from there, it just kind of grew again. I got a lot of uh, clients from Canada through that. Um, I sent a lot of guys down to the MMA lab. So obviously I got a lot of clients through there. Um, I've never really fished out any clients. Okay. Um, I would like to start doing that because there's a lot of guys out there that I feel, uh, could benefit from, from what my experience is and how I can help them. And, uh, right now my partner, Julian and I were, we're trying to figure out the best way about going with that. One thing we don't do is we don't tamper with clients. Right. So I never want to try and, you know, if a guy's on the cusp, his contract's over and he's kind of wondering where he's going to go from there, we'll step in and provide what, you know, information on what we will do to help him in his his career. Um, If he is still signed with the MMA agent, um, that's rule number one. You just don't do that. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys out there that do. I'll just say that. And okay. that's, uh, that's not right. That. How is your day-to-day these days with the fact you have this day job as an air traffic controller and then also you're doing uh, the managing as well? Like, how do you balance your time like that? Like, what does a typical day look like for you? A typical day for me will be uh, waking up, uh, heading to the uh, airport uh, where I, I am an air traffic controller. I work airplanes. I tell them what to do. I uh, go on breaks. I uh, contact my clients. Um, and at the end of the day, it's to the office and doing what I can to make this stuff work. It's reviewing contracts, calling my lawyer, because obviously I work with uh, legal departments that overlook uh, these contracts to make sure that everything that I want in them are in them and legally binded. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, sometimes it's 18-hour days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I can imagine that just with, you know, having a full-time job and then doing uh, something as big as this is managing. How about uh, family and social life? How is it tough balancing that with, you know, your day-to-day and then also the managing stuff? Like, do you really have to sort of have good time management, I would imagine, to do all that? Yeah. I mean, time management's everything. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's scheduling. I keep a very, very, very tight schedule. I block hours. Um, teaming up with Julian at Upgrade is going to help tremendously. He's not going to just be doing the sponsorship side of things anymore. He's going to start uh, learning the actual administrative management legal side of things so that he can start taking over a lot of the things that I don't have time for. Yeah. Well, that, and that's, that's... And, and, and that's how the business will grow. Um, one of the reasons why I'm not known as one of the top MMA agents is because it's not a full-time thing. But some look at that as going, oh, well, he doesn't have time for me. No. I think you should look at it as I give a tentative time to you. Like I, my focus is on my fighters always. Yeah. And if I do need to take time away from my normal job, I'm able to do that to attend to their needs. Um, 
I don't bulk myself up with a ton of clients because I want to make sure I can give them the time and attention that they need. They're not just a number on my roster. As of today, November 16th, who are some of the, the clients that you rep that, that you're allowed to talk about? And, and also, um, you know, who are some that, uh, that, that have been with you sort of the longest out of that group? Well, uh, I, 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 this now is a good time to go ahead and, and I know we broke the news already, but uh, mm-hmm. Hakeem Dawadu, yeah. uh, he's probably going to blow this sport up in that featherweight division. I've been, I've been uh, following him. Uh, for a long time, as his entire professional career had been with the World Series of Fighting. So it was a very easy platform to see where he's been and where he's at now and how far he's grown. Uh, So I I definitely, he's going to make a splash in the UFC. Um, I'm very happy that we finally got him there. Uh, It's definitely where he belongs because he is one of the best in the world. Um, Mitch Clark, you know, I, I, I talk to Mitch almost every day. The guy's got a competitive heart. I don't know that he'll stay retired. Um, <laughs> personally, uh, I would like him to because I've told Mitch this from day one. You know, we may never be a world champion, but you have all the material to be a world-class coach. Who says Mitch Clark can't be the next Greg Jackson? or the next Enzo Gracie, you know, or the next John Crouch, or, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's very smart. The guy's probably the smartest fighter I've ever, I've ever worked with. So uh, he could definitely be a world renowned coach and take his clients to levels that he never reached, but can still get to that pinnacle by coaching them. Um, and Efrain Escudero, we just signed him to ACB. Uh, that was a uh, multi-fight deal. Um, we had been waiting around for the Professional Fighters League to make an offer. I had not gotten any response. I get responses here and there, but nothing significant. And I got to, you know, I have a job to do. I got to put these guys to work. Yeah. So we felt uh, ACB's uh, monetary offer was right for him. We know that they're putting UFC caliber fighters in there and they're going to give a platform for him to rejuvenate his career. And if the UFC is in his future again, we'll find our way there. Um, but first things first, and that's his fight, I believe, tomorrow night, right? That's right. Yeah. For ACB uh, 74. Yep. So great, great fight yep. on there. So we're definitely looking forward to that. Excellent. Um, you mentioned Hakeem Duwado. I do want to talk a bit about him because there, there was a bit of a you know journey for him to actually get to the UFC uh, first. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, again, just talk talk about what you can. But uh, he was with World Series of Fighting. Um, I believe at, at, you know at some point there, and, and this is public. I mean, he was offered a title shot in World Series of Fighting, but but uh, you know there, there was a reason that he didn't take that and decided to sort of uh, go go the other way. Do you want to just uh, you know kind of take us through that the whole process of Hakeem in World Series of Fighting to, to getting to where he is now in the UFC? Well, Hakeem felt he was not as active as he would like to be with that promotion. And, and it had been a gripe from not just that fighter in particular, but from other fighters as well, which means my fighter's in the same boat as everybody else. Um, and it just, it just wasn't a good situation mentally for him. He was ready to fight. And when you're in one of those contracts, you can't just go and fight for somebody else. You know, and until until a promotion has officially breached a contract, there's nothing really you can do about it. There's nothing in there that states you will, you will fight within this amount of time frame. It says you will get this many fights within this time frame. You know, uh, so those contracts are really tricky. Unfortunately, I was not the one to deal with his original contract with the World Series. So we really had to go with what, who had reviewed his contract and what was agreed to. So we were kind of in a sticky situation. Well, it got to a point where there was a breach by the promotion and I pointed that breach out and we avoided, uh, we avoided any type of, you know, court proceedings and everything by me pointing out those things. And, and uh, I feel I have a great relationship with Ray Cepho. He totally understood as a fighter uh, himself and that's one of the great things about Ray is, is when you bring something logical to him, he puts himself in that mindset of, okay, I was a fighter. If this was me, how would I feel? It's not just about money for him. 
So like most promoters who haven't fought, um, so they don't understand what it's really like to be in that situation that Hakeem was in. Uh, so we got him released. Um, and we couldn't do anything. Like he wanted me to talk to the UFC and I kept telling him it's not something we can do while we're under an exclusive contract. Right. It's, 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 it is the one way that we will burn a bridge hundred percent because these guys talk, the UFC costs promotions to verify, is this fighter done with you? Mm-hmm. Do not go and sign somebody without, because they don't want to be known as a company that goes out and signs fighters that are under exclusive contracts with people, you know? Um, I tell you, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Let's hear it. And this story, this story is, 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 was really brutal for me, but I had to do what I had to do for my client. And, uh, Alex Ricci was a client of mine and, you know, he's from the Toronto area there. Yep. And we signed him to a VTJ contract. Okay. Where he was fighting over in Japan. Uh, somebody fell out. In the Vancouver event, I believe it was. Yes, uh, and, Josh, and, Josh Emmett, I think. Yes, yes, Josh Emmett. Uh, and this story even goes back even further, so we'll get to that. Once, yeah, I know, once I, I, I know get what you're going to get to. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> so, uh, so, I, Alex called me and says, "Hey, somebody that I know was around." The news when the news broke that Joe Silva needed a 155er and he needed him quick, and because it was in Canada, you couldn't just bring an American in if if he wasn't already signed to the Visa promotion. Issues, things like that, yeah. Right, correct. So they needed a Canadian. So I called Joe Silva right away and I said, "Hey, uh, I just got a message from Alex Ricci that somebody that close to you said that you know you needed a 155er," and he says, "Yes, is he ready to go?" And I said. Yeah, he is. I said, he was supposed to fight in two weeks in Japan. I said, but I can get him out of that contract. Well, somebody in Canada, I won't say their name, (laughs) broke the news that Alex Ricci was signed by the UFC before I had done any communication whatsoever with anybody. VTJ saw the article. So when I go to VTJ and I'm like, hey, I need to get Alex Ricci into the UFC. They played hardball with me. Very hardball. They did not want to let Alex go. And in their right, they didn't have to. Um, They were upset that they didn't hear from me first, but it was totally out of my control. I'm not the one who leaked that information. Somebody, there were other inside sources, as you know, that knew that Joe Silva had an interest in Alex Ricci for this particular event. Um, so it was midnight Eastern time when finally VTJ agreed to let him go. Now there were monetary things that had to be paid. They wanted to be paid, you know, and the UFC wasn't going to pay them, you know? So there were, there were some, there were some negotiations, um, some in which I can't talk about, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that made this deal happen, but by far and the, 11 years that I've been managing fighters, this was the hardest deal to pull off. Joe Silva's words to me were, if you don't get this done, you have royally fucked me. Wow. Excuse my language. No, no, swear away. With this, I may be Canadian, but we can swear it, in here. It's all good. <laughs> and this, well, if you've ever had a conversation with Joe Silva, I mean, he's very blunt. He's very yeah. straightforward. And he's not a man that I wanted to be on his bad side. Because how else would I ever get my fighters into the UFC, right? Mm-hmm. So I respect the man. Um, I understood where he was coming from. And I had to do whatever it took to make it happen. And obviously, you know, we, we got it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Alex then got to fight in the UFC on about officially three days notice, four days notice. Um he spent the whole weekend stressing as I did. No sleep, no, no nothing. Um, the ironic thing about that was is Andrew McInnes, another Canadian from Edmonton, was actually offered the fight with Josh Emmett. Unfortunately, he turned it down. He believed that uh, Josh Emmett was a substance abuser. And instead of letting the process 
take its take its toll with USADA, he decided to turn the UFC contract down. Uh, so that's what happened there. Um, but the way it all turned out, he might have been end up fighting Alex Ricci. Well, <laughs> but it was all said done. I know. Well, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, well, uh, I guess. Or it would have been Jeremy Kennedy, because wasn't it Kennedy who replaced him? I, I can't remember, but yeah, it was yeah. it was very interesting. And Kennedy actually fought up a weight class because he was a 45er, which was kind of interesting about the whole thing. So Yeah, and Kennedy's a heck of a fighter. Uh, I thought it was an ideal matchup for Alex Ricci. I said, we couldn't ask for a better opponent than this. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jeremy Kennedy, let me tell you, that guy is, he's, he's a stud. Yeah. No, so. he certainly is. So, yeah, that's interesting, uh, you know, kind of what – and and I should there, – there's also another part to this as well that one of your other clients ended up taking that fight in Japan, did he not? He did. It was it was Efren Escudero. That's right, yeah. And, and, and actually, you know, Alex has Efren to thank because it, they wouldn't have let Alex go without a named opponent, without mm-hmm. somebody with a name. And at that soon, it just was not going to happen. And uh, luckily, they they liked Efrain. They wanted him. They thought it was great. They thought that Efrain was even a bigger name than Alex. So if uh, if that guy had beaten, I forget the the opponent's name, if he had beaten Efrain, that their opponent could have gotten into the UFC. So it was something that you know all worked out. But it was it was literally Tuesday morning, twelve oh one a.m. when the deal got done. Wow! And the fight was Saturday. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it's just sort of interesting, the behind-the-scenes stuff there. Um, I want to go back a bit to Hakeem a little bit. So, you know, we talked about him, you know, being released and then him eventually signing as of, you know, last week. Um, but, but it seemed like this took a while for him to actually get there because I think a lot of us that were looking on the outside, um, you know, saw Hakeem, a guy who's from Calgary, you know, close to neighboring Edmonton. You got that UFC 215 card. It seemed like that was a slam dunk. What, what was sort of the process, you know, going from him being a free agent to him getting signed? And, you know, were you ever worried at all that this might not happen because, you know, with the fact that the UFC just wasn't showing any interest when they had a golden opportunity at 215? They had interest. Um, they had interest all along. Uh, but what a lot, of, a lot of fighters don't realize is the UFC only has a certain amount of roster spaces for each weight right. class. It's the only way that they can fulfill their contractual agreement. And I will tell you, in the 11 years I've been doing this, multi-fight agreements, the UFC is the only one to honor that multi-fight agreement the way it's written in the contract. Yeah. You know, if they tell you you're going to have a certain amount of fights in a certain amount of time, they're going to have certain. You're going to have that many fights in that in that time. Now, if you get hurt or injured or you're unavailable because you have personal things going on and they offer you a fight. Uh, they extend your contract out so that they have time to honor that you turned it down. So it's not the fault of the promotion. It's, it goes on the athlete. So the UFC is able to extend your contract out so that they can legally meet those fights within that time frame, And that's justifiable. Absolutely. Cause if a fighter just keeps turning fights down, then you run out of time and the promotion was unable to, to get what they wanted out of you, you know, as far as the agreement goes. So I understood I had been in constant communication for months with Sean Shelby and you know, the same thing. I need to find room for him. I need to find room for him. Uh, he actually went as far as telling me that Winnipeg would be ideal, okay. but he had guys that he needed to get fights in before that time frame. Right. And whether they sell tickets or they're from Canada, he's going to do what he's going to honor the contracts that he has in place. And then finally, I, I, I called him and I said, look, I need to know what to do. My client's going nuts. You know, I'm holding on to him and I'm, I'm, he's itching to fight, you know? And I said, I feel like I need to know something or, you know, we may have to go sign somewhere else and fight. And I was never going to sign to a multi-fight deal, uh, Hakeem, anywhere else. It was going to have to be one-fight deals here and there because with Zufa outs, because essentially we knew, I knew, Hakeem definitely had doubts. I can understand that sitting where he is. But I knew the UFC would take him. The only thing that would hold up that process would be if Hakeem had taken a loss and that on the way there, basically. 
Um, had he taken a loss, definitely he would have taken some steps back, which is what I kind of wanted to prevent from, from getting him a fight at all. It's like, just hang on, just hang on, just hang on a little bit longer. And then uh, finally, when I, when I pressed Sean, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm at crunch time. My client's upset at me. I've got to go somewhere. He goes, I'm going to need a featherweight soon. Here's your offer. Nice. Yep. So it all worked out. <laughs> thankfully, <Yes. laughs> it's where Hakeem's wanted to go. You know, he he would have fought elsewhere. You know, I had been in contact with Ray Sefo about the potential of renegotiating his contract under the new company, the Professional Fighters League. Um, you have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No matter how much the money was, Hakeem made a personal decision, a professional decision, and a decision that I have to honor, regardless whether I thought differently or not. He wanted to be on the biggest platform in in the MMA industry, and that is undeniable the UFC. Yeah. And, and it certainly worked out well for him. Um, now, as all this is going on, um, are you getting, uh, you know, different offers? Is there anything you can kind of talk about from that? Like, was, you mentioned, you know, Pro Fight League. Were there any other promotions that sort of stepped up to the plate and said, hey, we want this guy? Bellator had, had interest. Um, but they weren't pulling the trigger. You know, they had interest. They were trying to think about, you know, what were they doing in Canada in the future? How could we... Uh, how could we promote him? How could, you know, how, how would he be a benefit to them? Well, I gave him lots of reasons. Yeah. You know, number one, I think he's a top five featherweight in the world, hands down. I think he could step in today with a Max Holloway, with a Jeremy Stevens. You know, uh, I just, I think he's at that level. Um, I presented him to Greg Jackson's. I was yeah. like, I think this is the best camp for him. What can you do for him? You guys tell me. Had a meeting with Greg Jacksons. Greg Jacksons told me what they would do with him, how they could get him better in the in this in the areas in which uh, he's not as good as some of the top guys in the UFC. And they saw his record, and they saw who he's knocked out, and they said this guy is good. So they are anticipating his arrival for sure. So they see the talent in him. And yeah. uh, he's going to go down there, and Hakeem is an instructor himself, a Muay Thai instructor. Uh, the guy's a phenomenal striker. He's going to go down there and make guys better in certain aspects, and those guys are going to make him better in certain aspects. And I think that's going to make him a, a, a totally uh, different fighter and a very dangerous fighter. And I know there's a great relationship there between uh, Jackson's and, and yourself because I know Mitch Clark made a very positive impact when he was down there, so much to the point that I know that uh, Mike Winklejohn actually sent Mitch like this huge uh, message to, to his dad because his dad was telling me about it and how you know much of an impact Mitch made there. So that's good that you've had that, and it can kind of benefit other fighters, like in Hakeem's case, where he can go down there and train with some of the top guys in the world. That's just it. Where are the top guys fighting at? You know, yeah. uh and that's where, where you have to look at, not necessarily where your where your opponent's fighting, or not your opponent, but where that champion is fighting at, or, or training at. Um, so those are the things that you have to think about. You have to think about what the gym offers your client. Where where are your client's weaknesses at? What gym is going to help him 
get to a level in which he can compete with the best in the UFC. And I think Jackson's does. Uh, I think that is a great gem. I think they have a regimen set for these fighters, a schedule where they go in, they do what they have to do, uh, and they stay mentally focused. You know, these guys are like a big family. They keep each other mentally focused. I will tell you that Mitch has gone to other camps and his, his mind was rattled. You know, he just didn't know what, what was next. You know, uh, it's not, and this, and this game is very mental. It's about 70% mental, about 30% physical. And, you know, I think Mitch said it best, uh, my my mind, or he said, my body doesn't do what the mind wants it to. Right. You know, and, and that just, it, it's a mental thing. You know, and sometimes your body can't perform, but if your mind can't, let me tell you, when Mitch beat Ali Quinta, that was mental. Right. 100% mental. You know, he saw a situation, he's smart, he has seen this many times in his, in his home gym. That wasn't something that was taught to him anywhere else, but home, you know, and he found himself zoned in mentally and he did what he had to do. So keeping these guys mentally focused is number one. So where are they going to get that at? I believe Greg Jackson is a great place for that. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. And I'm excited to see he can go there and see, uh, you know, some, some of the things that he can, he can bring to them and also them bringing to him as well. So that'll be interesting. Uh, do we have any, do we have any updates on him uh, as far as, you know, maybe uh, w- what card we're going to see him on? We said, you know, when I spoke to him, it was January, February and uh, no opponents yet. But uh, I mean, certainly I-, I would think the idea is to get him a, you know, a name or, or some like a, like a top guy, similar to what Justin Gaethje did when he came into the UFC. Well, well, let's go back to um, him being offered uh, that, uh, that title shot in the world series of fighting. Yeah. Yeah. He was actually offered two title shots. Okay. okay? And the reason why we turned them down was not because the opponent, you know, I believe he can compete and beat Lance Palmer all day long. It was about once you win the title, you're automatically stuck with that promotion for 12 more months. And it's not something he wanted to do. So we turned down the title shot. We didn't turn down the fight. And we didn't turn down the ability to fight. He was available to fight. He just turned down the title shot, which the contract doesn't state. It says if you turn down right. a fight. We didn't turn down the fight. We'll fight the guy. It just won't be for a title. So that that's some of the contract stuff came. And that's where, you know, I've been around this game long enough. I know the tricks of the trade, you know. So, uh he was actually offered two title shots. Both times they, they wanted him to fight for the title. They wanted to fight uh, Lance Palmer and then uh, Andre Harrison. And uh, I believe that's his name, correct? Yeah, it is the bull, Andre Harrison. You got it. Yeah. And uh, we turned it down simply just because he didn't want to be stuck in the promotion. Um, so uh, I did ask Sean if, for a top 10 to 15 ranked uh, UFC featherweight. Um, and I used the reasoning for David Branch and Justin Gagey both going over and getting basically title contention spots. They both fought top five guys, probably top three guys, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Branch got Rockhold and Justin Gagey got, got Michael uh, Johnson. He got Michael Johnson. That was, that was a you know, tough, tough opponent. Yeah, uh, and uh, I feel Hakeem could do the same thing. I look at Hakeem as being a world champion, and even though we, we didn't take the title shots, it was for contractual reasons. I believe, I believe he was world champion. You know, right. nobody else could beat him. He knocked out everybody he fought. I'm, I mean, there was nothing. There's nothing left. So I want him to hit the ground running in the UFC. However, I kind of pulled back a little bit. I'm not pushing Sean Shelby for a top ten to fifteen ranked opponent. I will let Sean Shelby decide. Yeah, because. With Hakeem now being out for eight months, it'll be almost a year by the time he steps in. I don't want him to have the extra pressure of necessarily his manager pushing him to fight a higher-ranked guy than what 
he might necessarily want for his debut. Hakeem is a sport. Let me tell you, the guy will fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. He doesn't care who he fights. You know, if it's Max Holloway and a title shot in two weeks, he would do it. Um, but I'll just let Sean Shelby decide uh, at what level he wants to start Hakeem at. It may be something low where they want to promote him, you know, like they did Conor McGregor. Give him four or five fights before, you know, you, st- you stick him right in a title mix. Let people understand who he is first, then put him right in there. People knew who Justin Gagey was. You know, he was he was heavily promoted by the Professional Fight League uh, or World Series of Fighting. And, you know, he, he was able to be put in that in that spotlight. Um, unfortunately, I believe Hakeem ended up fighting on an undercard against Steven Seiler because we didn't take the title shot. Yeah. And that was still a tough so, fight too. That, that was, and you know, just to quickly on that, you know, you, you guys could have just, you know, not fought or whatever, but you, you, you fought a UFC veteran and Steven Seiler and he put on a great performance and that, that in itself was a risk. Cause if he would have lost, like you said, that the, you know, the, the offer would probably wouldn't have been there right away. That's absolutely correct. It wouldn't have been there. You know, we would have had to probably stay in the promotion and get back on another winning streak before we could find ourselves in another position where we could escape from the contract and, and go with the UFC. Was there uh, um, just 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 on that same note? Was there ever uh, did they ever want Hakeem to go on the the contender series at all? Because I know sometimes they with, with certain guys. I know right now Titan FC they're dealing with that with uh, Joe, uh, Jose Shorty Torres. They told him to to you know go on a contender series initially. Um, was there any talk of that, or was it? I mean, I guess for you guys, it was always getting to the UFC. It was always going straight to the UFC. Um, I always, I never really pushed my clients even into the Ultimate Fighter. Right. If it was something they wanted to do to be on TV. It was fine, but it was never anything that they had to do. You know, I always felt they had a better chance of getting in by just fighting and me pushing them. And almost every fighter I've pushed, I've eventually gotten to the UFC. Um, Terrence, that opportunity, they reached out to me. Jason Haddon from the UFC, I think he now works for the Professional Fighters League, contacted me and said, we want Terrence. I said, okay. And, uh, you know, that's... That's where that went. Austin Ryan was another one they wanted, but unfortunately, he was the first alternate every time. He went back down to Vegas because they had a guy with some medical problems, and they weren't sure that he was going to be com- being able to compete. Um, you know, but that was that was an interesting uh, that was an interesting situation. I felt Austin Ryan definitely deserved to be on that show, um, but. Terrence is marketable. That's the thing about him. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to ever talk with him. I, I, haven't, but... I haven't interviewed him. Uh, de- definitely would love to in the future. But he, um, I, I, I remember seeing him on the show. And, and he was, if I'm not mistaken, was he, he was one of the guys that, uh, you know, just sort of uh, kind of had that cool story. You know, guy from Alaska, you know, sort of came out of nowhere type thing. And, and you know, did, uh, you know, really sort of captivated the audience, I would say, on The Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, he's he's. I just had dinner with him last week. Um, he and his fiance, just just a great human being. Him and his brother both. His brother Maurice fights in one thirty five pound division. Uh, lives in Sacramento and trains out of Team Alpha Male. Nice. So he's uh, he's one that Flow Combat was uh, put at uh, in the top twenty of top prospects. So right. it's going to be interesting to see both these guys come come back up and resurface uh, back into the circuit. Um, but you're talking about two brothers with a lot of personality. Uh, they're African-American. They talk like California surfers, and they're from Alaska. Right. I mean, it just <laughs> – it's not, it's not your typical, uh, you know, what, what you're used to seeing. Oh, not at all. Yeah. Um, we, we talked a bit about your day-to-day. Um, as far as being a manager, what are some of the challenges you face on a regular basis, and what are some challenges that you face uh, when it comes to getting guys signed? Like, what are, what are some things that you sort of have to be mindful of as you're, you know, going through the process? Just the understanding, trying to get the fighter to understand what I'm telling them. Um, it seemed almost like, uh, for instance, I'll use Hakeem as, as a, no matter what I told him, Hakeem didn't care. He just wants to go in the UFC. Hakeem, Sean Shelby said this. He'll forget the next day. The next day, he's on me. Like, Chuck, when is the UFC going to call? <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen the next day. So, I think part of the uh, part of the challenge is, is just getting the fighter to understand the path in which you're you're working, um, but also keep them mindful that I work for them. They don't work for me. Okay, they they hired me 
to get them to the next level or to get them opportunities which could be hard on their own. Um, so the biggest challenge for me is getting the fighters what they want. If a guy tells me he wants to fight here, I've got to do everything in my power to get him there. And that becomes not only a challenge, but it becomes stressful. So uh, such as the situation with Alex Ricci, I had never been so stressed in my life about anything, anything. So you talk about four days of no sleep, worrying that I, I may have just lied to this kid and I got Joe Silva mad at me. And, but I had to do, if I had to tell Joe Silva, Hey, you know, I got to call VTJ and I got to do this. And I don't know if they're going to let him go, but I'll try. Alex would have lost his opportunity. Yeah. No one wants to see that. Nobody wanted to, you know, nobody wants that. I, I, so Chuck waved his magic wand, made it all happen. (laughs) And that's that. So, uh, these, these are a lot of the challenges I face and, and it's not just with these clients that I'm mentioning. It's, it's everywhere. Uh, you have to promote your client. How is, how is the client going to be of benefit to the promoter? And that's what I'm always mindful of because I was a promoter myself. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys want to get signed. They want to make money, but a promoter can only pay what he can afford. He's not in the business to lose money either. Look, I've made some insulting offers to fighters before. I've had to based on a budget. You know, I didn't care about making a ton of money when I was promoting the Alaska Fighting Championship, but it was about putting on good fights. And sometimes, you know, it costs money, but it made up for itself, you know. Um, So I'm mindful of that. Uh, You know, I want the promoters to succeed. I want the promoters to like my my, my product that I'm giving them. so these are a lot of the things I think about um, in the whole process of getting a fighter into a deal and uh, making it work. What are some things, I mean, you've been in this business a long time. What are some th- things that you see with other managers that, that you don't like that, that are kind of, uh, you know, things that, that you would tend to avoid as a manager yourself? Well, the one thing I didn't like is the sponsorship industry was very good a long time ago when I came into the sport. Very, very good. Um, the fighters were able, the fighters were happy. And then every Tom, Dick and Harry decided they wanted to be an MMA manager and they didn't know the industry and they come in and they undercut all the agencies, all the people that have been doing it for years. Uh, and sponsorship is now sure you've, you've, you've heard the gripes and grumbles. It's just not where it's at anymore. Most of it now is product, not monetary. Well, product doesn't pay my fighters bills right and you know so it it hurt the industry um the other thing is i never make a promise to a fighter other than i will do 100 percent what i can if you ask hakeem i never promised him to get him into the ufc i said i would do what i can um, i'll tell you that somebody approached him and said i guarantee i'll get you in the ufc you know, um, just, just not good ethic, you know, uh, it's just, uh, I stay away from, from promises. Nobody will ever be able to say, you know, Chuck filled me with a broken promise. Uh, and I work hard for the fighters. I care about them as people, not just names on my roster. You know, if they need something, Efrain's a, a very good example. You can ask Efrain. He's called me and asked me for help. And more ways than one, and 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 he's he looks at me as not just a manager, but somebody he can confine to. You know, he can he can call up and talk about life and and those things, and I and I have compassion for that. So I you know I care about my guys uh, immensely. Yeah, but that's and it's it's clear in, in talking to the clients that I've interviewed uh, that, that you have, and and you know to, to see that because I think sometimes uh, you see a lot of these management companies and they have such a big roster, you wonder even if they are doing it full time, how much they're really paying attention to the client. And I could see them, you know, feeling uh, lost in the shuffle. I think you know with the smaller roster, they can't sit there and say, oh, I'm being ignored because really you have you know less people to work with. And and again, the, the attention to details there, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a I have a specific phone just for MMA. Okay. And that phone, that, phone, that phone goes around me everywhere. So when that phone goes off, I know I got to grab it. My personal phone goes off. Eh, it's somebody. They'll call back, you know. Right. 
but my business phone, it's important to me. I answer it. Uh, if I can't answer it, I get to it as soon as possible. Um, and that's just, uh, that's just how I operate. Now Julian will be in the mix and he'll be able to help the fighters out as well. Um, so this is, Julian's the kind of guy that I've been looking for for a long time. I've tried a few different partners and when you just don't know the industry, um, I carry a reputation that, that I have to protect. Um, I once had a partner once who signed my fighter to a fight. Let me say, since he was an equal partner, he signed our fighter to a fight and didn't read over the contract thoroughly or send it to legal. And my fighter was responsible for getting himself from Western Florida up to Atlantic City, New Jersey. And he was only making about a thousand plus a thousand. That's not good. No, he's supposed to get to either drive himself from the West coast of Florida all the way up to Atlantic city or buy himself in his corner, two round trip tickets. And you might only be making a thousand dollars. So that was a bad situation. So I had to call that promoter back and fix that deal. Wow. So, so bring it on Julian. Julian's been around the business for a long time. He worked for one. Uh, I won't, uh, I won't, name, I won't name the fighter uh, or I won't name the manager, but he worked for probably the biggest management company in the industry 10 years ago. Okay. Fair enough. We'll, uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, what, what about, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, getting referrals from, you know, people wanting to, you know, uh, be managed by you. What do you sort of look for in a fighter? What's sort of your screening process? What are some things that you kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, kind of keep mind of uh, while, while you're going through the process? What can I do for them? That's okay. what I think. If there's a way that I see that I can promote this fighter and get this fighter and help this fighter, I'll sign them. If I feel like I'm roadblocked, you know, you just, perhaps you're five and five and, you know, you're, you're coming off two straight losses. You don't need a manager. Right now you need to get in the gym, help those guys push you to get better in that gym and get with your local promotion and build yourself up. Dictate who you fight. You know, don't, don't let the promotion put you with anybody. You know, they, they want fighters and you just basically need to say, look, I'm at this level and this is where I'm trying to go. Can you build me up? Can you give me a guy who's similar in record and is coming off a loss as well and give me the opportunity to build myself? Once you have about a four, five, six fight win streak and you're well above 500, it's time to maybe start talking to a manager and getting those services done. Because if you're just looking for sponsorship money and, you know, product and things like that, it just won't happen. These brands are such a competitive level now for sponsorship that you have to be marketable. You know, uh, Legion Athletics, uh, a great supplement company. Um, they just came on board with Hakeem. They saw, they believe in Hakeem. They, he is somebody that can endorse a product and people will believe in it. And that's right. important. So we look yeah. at that, look at those aspects of the business as well, even in sponsorship. What can that fighter do for that product? Yeah, it's it's got so, it's got to go it's got to go hand in hand, right? Like it's got it's got to work for both parties. Exactly. I have to be able to work with you. I have to be able to to market you. If if I don't feel like there's anything I can do with you, I'm not taking a percentage from you. It's not fair, you know. Um, as the guys who fight in the Alaska circuit, you know, I once owned the promotion. I feel it's a conflict of interest there, even though Sarah and I don't really discuss matchups with my fighters who fight there. They kind of work directly with her uh, in that. And I trust her to get the, them opponents that I feel, you know, they deserve to be fighting at that time. And, but I don't take a percentage from that. You know, that's, that's something that, you know, is, is on their own. Uh, but I also would not keep them if I didn't feel that they were marketable. For so, sure. The only two fighters I, I still represent uh, from Alaska that still actually live in Alaska is uh, Terrence Mitchell and Maurice, but Maurice spends most of his time in Sacramento. Gotcha. So, that yeah. makes sense. 
Uh, we, we've got about eight minutes left here on the show. There's uh, just a few more things I wanted to ask you. Um, is there is there sort of a best moment in your career so far being a manager? Is there one that really stands out to you? Uh, best moment in my career, um, I would say uh, managing the entire career of Mitch Clark. Nice. Um, I mean, just just seeing what that guy's accomplished, what he's gone through, and, and being able to be right there with him. I may not have made every fight, but uh, I was there with him. Um, I think the other one w- would be Hakeem. I mean, the guy's got so much passion for this sport, for life, uh, that he's, he's, he's turned himself around mentally, physically, everything from a youth to where he's at now. And uh, just finally hear him sigh over the phone. Like, oh, my God, my dream is finally here. Uh, that was a great moment for me. I was actually standing right over here uh, outside my garage when I broke the news to him. I don't know if you can see it. but Yeah, I can see. Uh, I was actually standing right there when I, when I called and broke the news to him. So, uh, and he still didn't believe it for about four days because it took uh, Tracy uh, from the UFC legal office about uh, four or five days to get the contract over to us. So he's like, I just don't believe it until I see the contract. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the other one was, was, was Alex Ricci as well. I believe Alex felt like, uh, you know, he believed he could get to the UFC one day, but I don't think he really believed it would happen. And then just the way it all went down and the way that we were able to, um, make it happen the stress that we both endured over it over over time was definitely gratifying and that's why i'm in this business there's no money in this business i'm going to be straight up honest with you there's no (laughs) business all right uh you know you get paid by your fighters but they pay bills i have a legal guy that i pay you know um i had to use him quite a bit with issues with joe riggs uh his contracts uh, we felt like he was not going to be paid by a certain promoter. And, you know, my legal department ran over that and, um, you know, other issues that we've had. So, you know, I pay, I pay other people. So, you know, it, uh, it's, there's no money in this business. I do it simply for the gratification of getting guys their dreams, basically. Excellent. Getting them where they need to be. So. If someone's watching this right now and they're looking to get into to, into being a manager, being someone like yourself, what sort of advice would you give them? How would you say, you know, to start off and, and, get, and get in this business? Find somebody trustworthy uh, that's been doing it for a while and learn from them. Uh, my partner, Julian, is the same thing. He's always dealt with marketing and sponsorships. Now he's ready to take on the next role. Um, I will pass along everything that I know and He's in Southern California. There's there's other guys down there that he'll be able to talk to that have been in the business as well. And he is uh, he's also very good friends with Joe Cavallaro. Uh, Joe is is somebody that uh, has been in this business for a long, long, long time. Um, he's managed you know the old Kenny Florian and Marcus Davis and you know the Irish hand grenade. You know, uh, so he you know all the old Boston guys. You know. He took Sam Hoger, actually. Remember the Alaskan Assassin? Of course. Never forget season one of The Ultimate yeah, Fighter. That's right. Season one, he managed Sam. Wow. Uh, so Sam and I spent some time together hanging out up in Alaska and talking about Joe. And uh, yeah, um, so definitely get yourself with the right person uh, and learn the industry because the biggest thing you want to do is protect your fighter. And if you don't know how to protect your fighter, you don't need to be managing athletes. Yeah, one of the big things I talk about on here, and we, we normally you know talk to journalists and things like that, is uh, you know have mentors, have people that you can you rely on, people you can trust, people that uh, you look up to, and I think that's so important. And especially in this case, like you said, you know it's important to have people that you know that you trust that can give you that advice, that can point you in the right direction. Because a lot of times you see people trying to do things on their own, or they think they know how to do things, and they're just not doing it right, and it ends up hurting their reputation and hurting their reputation with the with the fighters as well too. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many clients I've gotten that have come to me and said, you know, every, everything that their manager did to them, that was wrong, you know? And one of the reasons why I don't make promises, number one, the only promise I make is that I work 110% for you. That's it. 
Excellent. Uh, what do you got coming up, Chuck? And, and where can people, you know, find you on social media? If there's anything you want to plug, by all means, take your time. We've got about three minutes left. So by all means, uh, the floor is yours, sir. Okay. Well, I want to thank my partner, Julian, uh, Upgrade Marketing. Uh, we're doing good things together and uh, we're going to continue to sign top talent and uh, really pushing uh, to gain more sponsors for these athletes so that they're taken care of uh, through nutrition, through gear, through supplements and things like that. Uh, so I want to thank uh, Legion for jumping on board with us, um, Hayabusa, Virus, and, and all the other apparel companies that have uh, come on with us. I want to thank all my clients for being just just great to me, and, and uh, I think we've got a great working relationship. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I want to thank uh, you especially for having me on today. It's been great. Yeah, it's a uh, pleasure's all mine, Chuck. It's good. To, I wanted to get you on, like I said, to talk about the management side. I feel like uh, this was very informative for a lot of people. Plus, we got to tell a lot of cool stories, too, uh, in between, which is always what I'm looking for on here. Yeah. Um, for, for anyone watching this, uh, you, can, you can always find me on Twitter, at Lynch on Sports. Uh, you can find my work all over the place, but uh, especially here on Fightful, you'll see a lot of my interviews here, including uh, one that I did with Hakeem uh, last week, and then, of course, the one I did with Efren as well. Uh, so you definitely have to check those out on Fightful.com. And uh, we're going to end it here, Chuck. It was great talking to you. Uh, definitely got to get you back on at some point again. And uh, I hope everyone enjoyed today's episode. Feedback, by all means, if you guys have feedback, my DMs are open on Twitter. You can definitely get a hold of me. I'm very easy to get a hold of. I'm always looking to improve this show. If there's things you like, you don't like, by all means, uh, hit me up. And uh, we're going to end it there. And uh, Chuck, can't thank you again. And everyone have a good day. Thanks for watching. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.